All right, you ready to study the scripture? Get your Bibles out and turn to John 15. John 15, we'll we'll take a few moments to get there, um, but we will get there. Um, As you know, we've had a series called Resurrection Stories. We finished that up last week, so we're going to do a series of maybe uh, one-off messages, things that are just important in the life of the church right now. And uh, so this this message is really meaningful to me. I want to talk to you about the seasons of life. The seasons of life. And um, before I get too deep into it, have you ever had a, an, a, an experience where you had a great idea and you thought that this idea was going gonna to be awesome, you were gonna, you're going to make something happen, and suddenly the great idea turned into a horrible, horrible reality. Like it just didn't work, all right? I think that's happened to most people, but I was, I was, I was checking out this this montage of parents and their kids. It's kind of traveled the internet. I want you to take a look at it. You'll see what I mean. talk to you today about what you think should be happening in this season of your life. You know, all of us have, we have envisioned a way things should play out that don't always play out like we want them to. If you think about the season of your life that you're in right now, you, maybe some of you, you want it to be a very joyful season and yet there's a, a grief and a sadness that you're having to work through. Maybe you're uh, dealing with a season where you really want it to be fun and exciting, but it's just dull and boring. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you, you want it to be really restful and peaceful right now, but there is no rest and no peace. Can I tell you today that no matter what season you're in, I can assure you that there is a new season, a next season that is coming. There is no stopping it. And I want to talk to you about that concept today because I think it is, a, it is one of the, I think of the big ideas in our culture that we have to push against to understand how God works, to understand what he, he does. And so at, at One Chapel, one of our most important things that we say that we're going to do, that we're going to commit to is we're going to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. We're going to help people move. That's why we exist, to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. And no matter where they are, no matter how far from God, no matter what season they're in, our job is to help them move towards where God wants them to be. And if you're going to do that as a community, then you're going to have to walk with each other through difficult seasons, through high seasons, through low seasons, through boring seasons. There's going to be seasons of life that we're going to have to navigate together. And so I want us to understand what, why does it work that way? If you draw your attention to the very beginning in Genesis, it'll be in your message notes there, Genesis 1.14, here's the verse. 
Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. I want you to consider the fact that God designed all creation to function in a seasonal way. That the cycles and seasons are how God set up life. That there is a there is a a, a a very underlying concept within all creation that not everything's gonna be the same. That you're gonna go from one season to another, and those seasons are going to be different, and they're gonna build on one another. And they're going to challenge each other. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then he begins to list in that same chapter all the things that, that happen in this life. All the seasons. Whether it's a season of joy and dancing or a season of grief and weeping. If you want to see the whole list, you just watch the movie Footloose. They, he quoted them all in that movie. And uh, no, nobody knows what the movie Footloose is. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So here's your fill in the blank. God's creation is based on seasons. God's creation is based on seasons. Everything we do revolves around this idea. We're about to move into a, a new season for summer. We've had a lot of rain this spring. Um, it's, it's been mostly a blessing. Um, but we're, we're transitioning now. We had our first 90-degree days, right? The kids get out of school. The, the schedule kind of changes. Every, I mean, I know around our house, my wife was like day two. She's like, it's day two, and they won't shut up. They're so loud. They're, so, they're just fighting all the time. What in the world is going on? Go outside right now, right? It's a thing. It just changes the environment, and it changes the dynamics. So there's a, there's a new season, and, and I, I want you to see that in the scriptures, the idea of seed time and harvest, it's a big deal in the Bible. That planting and harvesting are, are this, 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 these concepts that go through all the books of the Bible. And so if you think about, you know, families go through seasons. Our family right now is going through a, a huge season because our oldest is getting married this week. Zachary is getting married to a, a beautiful, wonderful girl named Misty Jones. And then, and, and so they're getting married and it is crazy all the ramp up to your kids getting married. I had no idea. I feel like I'm in a fog. It's so weird. Um, if I wander into something, you can't figure it out. Just know it's my brain and you're, it's not you, it's me. Because there's a, there's a thing happening here where we're letting go of something. We're releasing and it's been a, a long time. So we have one getting married and we have one who is um, graduating high school in the same month. And so it, Zachary's mother is like, um, you know, she, she has these weepy, really weepy periods where she's like letting go of her little boy. <laughs> she doesn't want to let him go. I'm like, all right, let's get this done. Let's good. Let's go. <laughs> There's a lot of details, but let's get it done. And... Um, and so there's this process, there's this journey where we're moving from one season to another. Moving from one season to another is some of the most difficult things that we do. If you think about parents and how they move to an authority figure in the life of a young person and they move to a counselor's role, 
There is a very difficult journey there because parents have to be willing to not give advice when they really want to. I had this discussion with my son, Zachary, and, he, and, and he's beginning to establish his own life. And now I'm, I'm withholding certain things that I think because I'm moving into a counselor and advice giver role only when he asks for it, which is the secret. That's the key. Parents who give too much advice too often and make their opinions known as the child is grown up and starting to live life on their own, it becomes very, it's contentious. It's very difficult. And so there's this process, there's this letting go, and it is a season that is changing, and it's very hard to get used to that season. If you think about church life, churches all have seasons. In fact, all organizations have seasons. And in order for organizations to grow, they, they have to change. We are in a season at One Chapel over the last year, I'd say, and I, I'm, I've been in my own journey and processing what it is that God's called us to be in this city, because you start in a certain way and you start down a path, and then, and then you ha- there is a transitional season, and even those transitions become seasons, and you, you begin to evaluate, well, where are you going and what is going to happen? And, and uh, you know, buildings and all leases and all this stuff, that's just one little tiny part of it. What really we're talking about is a season of redefining and evaluating who are we and who is God making us to be in this city? There's a, there's a journey here where one chapel is trying, I'm going to say this very carefully, where we started as a renegade church plant in a movie theater, right? I, and I love that. And what I'm trying to figure out is how to become, right, how to become a renegade church <laughs> who's mature and effective, that we're more effective at the vision that God gave us originally, that we haven't lost it, that we haven't become isolated, we haven't become internal, that we continue to be external, we continue to operate in a culture that has questions and concerns and that we're engaged with that culture and that we're serving people and taking care of their needs and we're seeing people transformed by the power of Jesus himself because we were willing to live out our, the gospel in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods, in our own workplaces. It's pretty easy for a church to become a country club. Church is not a country club. It's not a health club. It's a hospital. It's a place where people get healed. It's a place where people become part of a family. All these are really important values that we're wrestling through right now and trying to understand what God's desire for us is in the next five years. And I want you to pray about that with me because there, is, there are changes coming. We can't avoid them. People don't like change much, right? The worst thing you can do is um, resist change. Second worst thing you can do is just tolerate it. What we have to do is embrace it. What we have to do is embrace what God is doing in every season. And the challenge is sometimes we want to get to the next season. We want to avoid, we spend a lot of our lives going, man, I hope this season ends soon. I got to get to the next one. If you think about cities, cities have seasons. Our, our church, our, our city just went through a season where the legislative session 
was happening all spring long, and, and there were subjects, there, was, there were discussions, dialogue that emerged within our city. There was a, a, the floods that just happened in the Blanco River and, and just to the south of us and to the west of us that defined the season for our city. And, and people mobilize to help people in need. And, and we always have to be ready to do that as a church, as God's people, and, and to, to be the ones who are ready to participate in the conversation no matter what's happening in a city. Our city is going to go through some changes, and we have to be ready to move with those changes. There's no avoiding it. The seasons are really going to come, and what, what I want you to see is that in the scriptures, God has defined it like this, he's designed it like this, and we should embrace the seasons no matter what they are. Spiritual growth is a season. There is a seasonal process for spiritual growth. It happens in a seasonal way, it happens in a cyclical way. It happens in a way, not in a linear way, A, B, C, D, E, F. It's not clean and neat and tidy like that. It happens more interactive and more cyclical. It happens in a, in a routine. And, and, and the way it works, the way it works, I can describe it like this. When I was in college, I thought I was selfish. And I was, as most college students are. They're trying to figure out the way the world works. They're on their own for the first time. I was at college and I was living with a roommate and I realized how selfish I was. So I worked on it. I tried to be loving, tried to be caring, tried to, tried to be, just become a better person, tried to let God work in my life. I did it. I felt like I was doing well. And then something happened. I got married. <laughs> Suddenly, I was selfish again. How did I get selfish again? Well, I was living with this person 24-7, and I was entering into a commitment and a relationship, and she is a wonderful, amazing person. I mean, my wife is incredible. She is a saint. She's an angel. There is, I mean, there are no complaints, and there was this mirror that was being held up, and I was realizing how selfish I was. And so I worked on it. I went to conferences. I read books. Tried to be a good husband. And I, I, I did pretty well. And then something happened. I had children. <laughs> Suddenly, I was selfish again. How did I get so selfish again? I was, I, like, there, there's this, these little lives. They come into your life, and they give you nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're cute and cuddly and all, but man, really, once the sleep goes away, I mean, once they disturb the schedule, and all they do is eat and sleep and poop, <laughs> that's it. I realized how selfish I was again. It was another, what God is doing in our lives is every season, he's finding a way to work his will and his purpose into our lives. There aren't that many things that we really have to work on. There's just a few, but we keep experiencing them in deeper levels of surrender. Deeper levels of surrender. And we want everything to be linear and nice and neat and tidy, and instead it's kind of messy. And, we, and really what we want as, as Christians often is we want things, we want to we read our Bible, we want to pray consistently, we want to get everything kind of under control, and we want to enter into a season where everything is good and manageable. But God is after more dependence on Him and more surrender, <laughs> So he keeps making things unmanageable. And we should learn not to resist this. Um, 
I'm not, what I'm saying is, is that we should not resist the work of Christ to make us more surrendered and more mature. That there is a journey. Why does he do this? Romans 5, 2 through 5. I didn't include it in your notes, but I'll put it on the screen. You can write it down in your margin. Here's what it says. The Apostle Paul, he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul's describing a journey from suffering to perseverance to character to real hope. Oh, how I wish there was another way. But there's not, there, there's a way when, when, when suffering comes into our lives, when it is placed in God's hands, it creates hope, creates character, perseverance emerges. Now, suffering by itself, not placed in God's hands, that's just pain. But suffering in the hands of God, there's something else that can emerge in a season that is really difficult. This is the way God works. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know if I, have, if I believe that God would let me suffer. It's all about perspective. I remember the first time I took my kids to get a shot. It's kind of controversial now, but it wasn't then. And, uh, and I, I got a shot, and there's nothing like the look in that little kid's eyes when suddenly the, the needle goes in and they look at you like, you brought me here? What is wrong with you? You, you just hurt me. You came me over to this dude and you, you just hurt me. What is that? And then they're screaming and there's crying and they're... You know, there's, there's many things that I'm going to do with my kids that will be perceived to them as suffering, but it's really, a, it's, about, it's about learning and growing and maturing and persevering. And I don't think God is a, I don't, I, I, think, I think God is a God of blessing. But he's going to use everything at his disposal in this broken, messed up world that we're living in for there to be something that emerges that's just beyond, that's, doesn't, that's not just pain, that's not just relegated to survival, but is, but is his life and his purpose and his authority coming into our lives in a, new, in a new way. And so we'll have seasons of surrender. We'll have seasons that we're gonna have to surrender. And of course, surrender is what we're called to, right? We're called to live lives of, of surrender to him. But there will be seasons that are exceptionally difficult to surrender, seasons of struggle, seasons of decisions that you have to make to yield to him, seasons of difficulty that you're going to have to walk through and, and, and there's going to be difficulty and you're going to have to keep going. You're going to have to decide to keep surrendering. Here's how Jesus described it in Luke 9, 23. He said, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. How often do you say we gotta take up the cross? How often do we have to turn from our selfishness? 
daily, right? Daily. So there's a cycle built into, into that, that um, denial, that self-denial and, and that turning to Jesus, taking up our cross every single day. And some days that'll be easier than others because of what's going on in our lives. Some seasons that'll be easier. There's a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, even generational decision. We've learned from the generations that came before us what some of, some of the things that work and some of the things that don't. We're making decisions every day to be willing to learn from them and then make our generation different. And, and I think this is what God had in mind. I, it reminds me of the, there's a song on Christian radio. My wife listens to Christian radio all day long. And... Um, it's a blessing. It creates a very uh, uplifting and positive atmosphere. So <laughs> there's this song that comes on, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, really, and it's really meaningful. Um, and it's, uh, you might, you might, you, you must, you must think I'm strong to give me what I'm going through. Forgive me, forgive me if I'm wrong. Seems like more than I can do on my own. You ever felt like that? There's a verse in the Bible that kind of talks about that. It says, God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle, that you can't stand up under, that you can't cooperate with. I, I kind of like the country song that kind of goes like this. If you're going through hell, keep on going. Because <laughs> you might get stuck. So <laughs> if you're going through hell, keep on going. I, I, think, I think there's a lesson here. God wants us to go through the seasons of our lives, and he wants us to keep moving through those seasons. Some of them will be seasons of surrender. There will also be seasons of fruitfulness. You can fill that out in your, in your message notes. There's a season of fruitfulness. There's a season of plenty. There's a season of blessing. There's a season of harvest. Those are, those are wonderful seasons that we enjoy so much. John 15, you didn't think we'd get there, but here we are. One through five, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so the reward for fruitfulness is pruning. The next season after fruitfulness is going to be pruning. This, why? So that we can be more fruitful. We just want to be fruitful. We don't want the pruning. Jesus designed everything to work this way. God, from the beginning, created our, 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 our world to function with seasons, and it's, and it's true for our lives as well. Look what verse 3 says. It says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. Everybody say remain. remain. Say it one more time. Remain. remain. We remain in him. He says, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That speaks of a consistency, a connectedness. A willingness. And listen, we are not very familiar with the agricultural process because we don't live in an agricultural society. We're not familiar with the, the, the seed time and harvest concept really because we're not connected to it every day like a farmer, like they were in an agri agrarian society. So, 
So there's, there's the process to it. Number one is you prepare the soil. You get the soil ready and you till it and you lift it up and get it ready for, to, to receive the seed. Then you plant the seed. Then, then you water, the, you pack it down, you water the seed, you feed it, you fertilize it. There are no good seasons for fertilizing. Right? I mean, it's like, it's like fertilizer stinks. It smells. You don't li- we don't like fertilizing process in our lives. But it's mandatory for growth and for fruit. And then there's a, there's, a, there's a fourth step that nobody likes to do. They don't like to talk about it. They just want to go from there to the harvest. You know what it is? It's waiting. There's a fourth step in the harvest process. It's you wait. <laughs> you plant, you feed, you fertilize, then you wait. Is there anybody in our culture who loves waiting? Is there anything in our society that we love waiting for? We don't like waiting. Waiting is something that we try to rid ourselves of every single day. Whether it is trying to get on the internet, or it is waiting in a fast food line, or it is having an experience downtown, we don't like waiting. Seasons are based on waiting. We live in a culture that is antithetical to God's process of spiritual maturity and growth. We live in a culture that wants to have our food and to eat it now. I've been reading a book called Slow Church. It's really a good book. And it's kind of, it's the idea of what what our community has become in a fast-paced society. And it's this book, they take their cue from the slow food movement. If you're familiar with that, the slow food movement. It's, it's instead of fast food, slow food. It takes a long time to make and grow, and it takes a long time to prepare and cook. And what, what has happened to our society with everything speeding up in regards to food? When everything speeds up with food, it ruins things. Not just our bodies. It doesn't just poison our bodies. It poisons our community. It poisons the process of shared experience. It poisons a leisurely dinner with conversation and discovery. I think we're all guilty of it, and the struggle is we're not willing to wait for the harvest. We want to keep pushing on. Seasons often last longer than we think they should. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a scripture, Old Testament passage. I want to, I want to frame it for you. If you've been a Christian maybe any longer than three weeks, you've seen this this scripture on some Bible or somebody's quoted it to you because we love this scripture. This is an awesome scripture. Look what it says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Here in this graduating season, that verse has been written on more little cards because we love it. And it is totally true, completely true. Do you know what verse 10 says? Verse 10 starts like this. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. (laughs) You're going to live in Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He's always crying because he really didn't have much good news for the people of God. He was always bringing the bad news. Here's a little silver lining though. Jeremiah 20, line 11 comes along and God says, look, you're going to have to wait. There's going to be a process here, but I'm going to tell you, I haven't left you. I'm still for you. I'm still with you. I'm going to bring you out of this and I have a plan for you and it's a purpose and it's coming and I'm going to make sure 
even in the face of your own failures, even in the face of your bad decisions, I'm for you and I'm not interested in really bringing disaster on you. I'll bring you out of it. He's articulating who he is in the midst of that season. Very difficult and long season for the people of God. God wants to lead us through seasons, but Satan wants to give up, us to give up. Satan wants us to give up in the middle of the process, in the middle of the season. He wants us to give up surrendering to God in the middle of the struggle. He wants us to give up sowing and reaping when we're receiving so much fruitfulness. He wants us to give up in the struggle, and he wants us to stop blessing, stop sowing in the middle of fruitfulness. Here's the lie. Right? Here's the lie that the devil used most, most often in our lives. The lie is, this season will never end. You've got yourself in trouble now. You've made enough bad decisions, you're never going to get out of this. You are in big trouble. This season, it's never going to end. In fact, God's not really interested in you anymore because you've really failed. You know, you're pretty lousy at being a Christian. This is the devil's message to so many people. The lie is, this is the, this, the rest of your life is going to be like this. And then you get discouraged, and then you turn away from the very person who wants to produce the most good in your life, God himself. And so there's a, there's a process here that we have to deal with. How do we, how do we face this lie? Because the lie works both ways. It doesn't just work in a very difficult season. It works in a fruitful season. He says, he, he says hey, it's always going to be this way. You're always going to have plenty. You're always going to have tons of money. You're always going to have the job you have. You're always going to have this marriage, right? Marriage, marriage requires work. Marriage requires preparation. You've got to sow seeds if you want a long and healthy marriage. There, he, he says, this is how it's going to be forever. And then you stop being diligent. It's a lie. There's another season that's going to come. It is God's design. Check this out. So how do I live well in every season? The first thing I think we got to have is we got to have faith that God is in charge and that he is doing something. Trusting this season won't last. There's a better one coming. Just believing that will push back. Push back on this idea that is consuming us, that we'll never get out of what we're experiencing. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means in a very difficult scene, you've got to get more of the scripture in you. You've got to get more people speaking into your life, not less. So much of the time, our tendency is to isolate from everyone. We're going through a difficult time, so we shrink back, so we isolate. We stop doing the very things that we know will help us. We get discouraged with God because he hasn't seemed to help us. But often that's because we have the wrong mentality of how God is working. He is not a cosmic butler that's trying to do everything that you you want him to do. He has a purpose. Now, his life for you and me is way better than any life we could come up with ourselves. Happiness for the pursuit of happiness itself always ends in destruction. You can see it all over our culture. People trying, if the goal is to make themselves happy, they will destroy themselves. Trying to get happy. Trying to feel better. Happiness always comes as a result of something greater. 
God himself uses this idea in seasons and he wants planting, investing, sowing seed, being willing to have faith. Farmers, we're not in touch with this idea, but farmers put a seed in the soil and then they cover it over and they, they water it and they, and, they, and they feed it and they don't see anything for a long time. <laughs> Winter can seem very long. But you know what? Winter Never, not one time has winter lasted forever, right? In the world, the way the world spins, the way the world was designed, there's a, there's a next season that's coming. Spring always comes, but you know what? What happens in winter? Roots grow deeper. Bark gets thicker. Something happens in winter. So what do you do? You have faith that there's, there's, this season won't last. There's a better one coming. You also have to... Have to Embrace the idea of stewardship. Stewardship, when you are in a season of blessing, what God has given you, you have to take care of it. You can't squander it. Don't squander and spend it all on yourself. Stewardship means understanding that this season won't last and you're going to prepare and you're going to save for a rainy day that's coming. That you're not, you're not going to spend it all on you, that you're actually going to save something for your kids. That there's a, there's a and we don't, we don't understand this very much in our culture because of the way we live currently. We live under this tremendous weight of debt and, and stewardship is a real problem. But when God blesses us, we have to make sure that we're caring for it and we are, we're really treating it as sacred and we're looking forward to a next season and knowing that this season will not last. How do I endure a surrender season? How do I endure a surrender season? Let's read it. Number one, I'll seek God every day. Seek God every day. In a difficult, challenging season, you seek God every day. I had an experience when I, I, I worked for a church before I came to One Chapel, and I worked f under a supervisor during one season of my time there, and I could not, I mean, I really was frustrated with the supervisor. <laughs> I did not, I mean, we're in a church, right, environment. Everybody should be more holy. Everybody should be able to handle their business better. But it was not true, and I was so frustrated. I was so irritated. The conversation that would go on, it's just like talking, talking, but no, uh, no, no forward movement. I couldn't fix it. I, couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't fix the relationship. I was so mad. I was like, well, maybe my, day, maybe my time here is over, right? Classic thought, right? I don't like this season. I got to get out. That wasn't God's design. It wasn't God's desire. So I, 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 the Lord spoke to me. He said, you just need to pray for this guy every day for 90 days. So I just prayed for him for 90 days every day. I was having my quiet time, in my quiet time, somewhere along the way in my early morning hours or whenever I had my time with the, with the Lord, I would pray for him. Lord, would you bless him? Would you just, you just work your way and your will in his life? Whatever he needs, you are the provider. You know better than me. Lord Jesus, would you teach him? And would you help him? <laughs> to discover your way and all that. And I had to be really honest about it. I couldn't just fake my way through that, right? I, had, I, I knew God would spot me, right? I, so I just, had to, I just had to really be willing and pray for him uh, legitimately and genuinely. I did that for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, nothing had changed. That's not true. One thing had changed. I had changed. 
He hadn't changed, but I changed because I was willing to go through a process of asking God how to surrender and how to yield to him and how to deal with a difficult person. And as I, as I did that, there's, there's, a, there's a process that God had for me there. And so I had to repent of my own, of my own insistence and my own way and, and, and being so upset. And so you, you seek God every day during a surrender season. You repent of any known sin. And, and the third thing you do is you remain faithful, steady, and diligent. You stay steady in a crisis. I want you to hear this. When you hit a crisis moment in your life, the, the right response is not to freak out. It's not to go nuts Call everybody and tell them all about everything that's happening in your marriage because things are really bad. No, stay steady. Stay steady. This season won't last forever. When something happens in your career or your work, don't make knee-jerk re- reactions. Don't, don't make knee-jerk decisions. Don't, don't, just, don't just fly off the handle. Stay steady in the middle of a crisis. No big decisions when everything's up in the air. When everything feels like you don't know what the solution is, just stay steady. God will meet you there. So many people, over and over again, they make the worst decisions of their lives in a moment of crisis, in a season that ruins the next several years because they weren't willing to just stay steady. I want to challenge you to be faithful, steady, and diligent in a season where you're really struggling to surrender. How do I go through a fruitful season? How do I go through a fruitful season? <laughs> Interestingly enough, number one, you seek God every day. <laughs> Here's what happens in a fruitful season. Man, life is good. I feel good. This is awesome. You just start enjoying it. You stop seeking God. You start enjoying it and you have no reason. You have no desperate reason to chase after him. So you get, you get to this point where you're really not pursuing him. And it's not very far from there to, I'm not surrendering to him. And so you've got to seek God every day. You have to be attentive to sin in your life and be willing to repent and turn to him immediately. Just whenever, it is the best word in the Bible. As soon as you discover, man, I'm, I'm doing this wrong, I've got to respond to him. I've got to turn to him. Number three, you've got to prepare for the future with stewardship. I'll prepare for the future with stewardship. In investment circles, they have a phrase, and it's make time your friend. The best way to get a retirement fund at the end of a long life is start early. You don't have to have a huge number. You just have to start early and be consistent. I just depressed about 80% of you statistically. But there's a, there's a process here that is so profound that works with how money accumulates with compound interest and, and such. And I, I would suggest to you, I would submit to you that over time, money that is consistently invested comes to the end of your life and there is incredible fruitfulness there. There are results that are so beneficial to our lives. Could I submit to you that that's kind of how God works in seasons, that he's asking you to consistently turn to him, to look to him, and if, as you do it, it builds on itself throughout your life. And this concept builds in your life a, a, a certain foundation that you can look back on. And in each season, sometimes you don't see it in the season, but you'll be, you'll be in the next season. You'll look back and you'll go, oh, 
God was there all the time. I didn't see him. I didn't know it. I, I, I was struggling, but I saw him there, and I know he's going to care for me in the future because I've seen him do it in my past. There is a fruitfulness that God's trying to produce in our lives through seasons. And I want to encourage you to embrace that. Don't resist it. No matter what your season is, close your eyes, bow your head. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And I want you to consider, I want you to consider that the Lord's table is about provision. Provision in the purpose of Jesus Christ. The bread and the cup are symbols of Christ's body and blood. And, and he has provided everything you and I need to deal with the season we're in. And I wonder if you'd come to this table and be ready to repent of trying to resist the season that you're in and not embrace what Jesus is doing. I wonder if you'd come to this table and say, okay, Lord, I, I need your provision. I, I've tried to fix my way out of it. I've tried to make things happen. But really, I just need to cooperate with what you're doing in my heart. I wonder if you'd come to this table and receive his provision for you. Maybe, maybe forgiveness for re resisting him or, or rejecting him or shaking your fist at him because you're so mad or frustrated with the season you're in. I wonder if you'd be willing to come to the table and to allow him to meet you there. Father, we thank you for the provision that you've given us in Christ Jesus himself. And as we come to this table, would you speak to us? And would you, would you give us insight and revelation into who we are in the season we're in and the willingness to surrender to you in the middle of it? Would you give us grace for the moment? Open our ears to hear your voice. Speak to us, Lord. Forgive us, cleanse us, heal us at this table. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.